A new book highlights the practical barriers facing humanitarian organisations as they attempt to intervene in disasters, whether natural or man-made. It also looks at the independence these bodies need to have from governmental influence and seeks to find out how all the widely differing humanitarian groups can be effective collectively. The book's eleven writers examine, in particular, the differences and similarities between the French non-governmental organisations or NGOs and their British counterparts. I asked the book's co-editor Carl Blanchet about the importance of investigating these differences and, firstly, what they are. The main difference is, is、uh, the relationship the British organisations have with their government. It's very much something about、uh, they are consulted, they are heard, and、uh, and they try to give their opinion. In France, they don't want to be consulted. They want to question. The, the action of governments could be the French one, it could be、uh, the European Union, it could be the United Nations, and it's very much about trying to change or improve the world, but in a very different way. So the French NGOs, then, if I understand what you're saying, are they more independent of the French government? More independent because the French government doesn't give any money, so that would be <laughs> very good reasons why. And、uh, but it's in terms of independence, financial independence. Médecins Sans Frontières is probably the best model in the world. I mean, they have ninety percent of their funds coming from private donations. So that's probably the the exception in the world.、Um, all the other organizations,、uh, NGOs. Um, only get fifty, forty percent, or fifty percent of the, of their, their income from private donors. So, in terms of independence today, it's probably very naive to think that international organisations, NGOs, are fully independent. Now, why do governments like the British give money to NGOs then, when the French government doesn't? In a practical way, they have access to populations in remote places. And government or the army don't get this this access. Second, it's true that、uh, sometimes political action from、um, diplomats or governments don't reach a kind of popularity that humanitarian actions can have. And this is where the humanitarian actions have a political role. So the、uh, humanitarian action of an independent organisation can be independent of what the government of the day in the in the donor country wants to happen in that part of the world. In in terms of independence, there are many ways independence can be achieved.、Uh, you can be free in your intervention, intervening where where you want and when you want in a coordinated way with other NGOs. And one way of guaranteeing this is to have diverse Sources of funding, so it could be a government, but you could receive money from the EU and from other 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 donors as well. That's probably one way of guaranteeing that yes, this is where we want to、um, to 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 intervene, and this is where we're going to work. Can you explain something about the origins of NGOs and why we need them? Because、uh, the world presumably could get along without NGOs, but would it be a, a much nastier place? I think NGOs very naturally appeared to fill a gap that the state did not fill. So they were here to fill a gap. There was an absence in terms of social issues in the country or internationally, and they had to. And, and civil society was pushing people to say, "Okay, let's go for it," because our governments are unable to do it.
Now, today we have a huge number of NGOs helping, and when there's a disaster such as the recent disaster in Haiti, then in fact you get a whole dozens of NGOs. Isn't that too complex? It's very, very complex. Today, if you take the case of Haiti, you have thousands of international organizations, and they are um, some of them are very um, um, famous and uh, highly reputable, like uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, K International, Oxfam, Save the Children, and, and others. And they are highly trained, and they have procedures, and they, they, they know what to do. In Haiti, we see people coming from churches, sending a ship, sending doctors, surgeons, and then leaving the country. Uh, it's so, what we say, highly fragmented. It's very difficult to coordinate. And, and for governments in Haiti, it's hugely complex. Can something be done to improve that, to coordinate all the different NGOs? The United Nations tried to create clusters, health clusters, um, education clusters, in order to coordinate everybody. They, they set up this system in Haiti, uh, helping the, government, the national government to try to understand a bit more who intervenes and where. Uh, still, many, many people do not refer to the system and go through the system, bypass all of this, and they are impossible to, to manage. Isn't it all too difficult, uh, as we look ahead, to coordinate all the humanitarian organisations? Uh, it's, it's, it's very complicated, very complicated, and, and you have the, the diversity of NGOs, the diversity of cultures, because you have the French, the British, uh, the American um, uh, world and communities, and you have so many differences between all these organizations. It's highly complex, and today it's, it's almost impossible to coordinate. So what simple messages would you distill out of the research that you've done that could be useful as we go forward with uh, thinking about how to use humanitarian aid? I think humanitarian aid is simply here to, to help people who need assistance and they need to reach people who need uh, assistance in an armed conflict, in a disaster. It is, what is important is to make sure that they have access to security, people who work in the field, and this is not the case today. I mean, more and more uh, uh, humanitarian workers, relief workers, have been, have been killed, um, and are in danger every day. So something we need to secure. But as well, the political independence of these NGOs needs to be guaranteed. And of course, that's highly, highly complex in today's world. And what can we, in fact, learn from the very different approach of the British and the French? I think one, 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 the good, good aspect of the, of the French uh, NGOs is their flexibility. In, in a sense that um, they're not so much um, uh, led by policies but they have they have the kind of passion but as well in kind of uh, opportunism to intervene wherever it, it is needed what is very interesting with the uh, the, the British organizations is the level of organization and structure they have uh, amongst their professionals and that's something that we have learned in France to use to be, have more standardized interventions and to use more highly skilled professionals Carl Blanchet of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, co-editor of the book Many Reasons to Intervene, just being released in London. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.